Turn with me this morning to Psalm 98. Psalm 98, I'll read the whole uh, of this psalm this morning. Give attention to God's holy and fallible word. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done wonderful things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained the victory for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He's revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his loving kindness and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth and sing for joy and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Shout joyfully before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all it contains, the world and, all, and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy before the Lord. For he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Next week we'll come back to our series in uh, the book of Acts, Acts chapter 4. And uh, the week after that we'll consider from the Gospels the birth of Jesus. Uh, Today we're looking at uh, our Psalm of the Month for December, Psalm 98. And I want to, before we dig into this psalm a bit, um, just uh, review with you several purposes I have in, in doing this monthly series, doing a psalm per month, a psalm of the month, and, and doing this for a, a sermon most months as well. Um, one is simply not only to learn from these psalms as God's word, as we would from any part of God's word, but also that we would sing with understanding. That's, that's Paul's phrase to the Corinthians, singing with understanding. So as we sing the psalms, that we would better uh, understand them. Uh, more fully. Secondly, uh, we want to see Jesus and the gospel in the Psalms. Uh, The New Testament quotes the Psalms about 116 times, Um, and many, many further allusions to the Psalms. By one count, there are 129 of the Psalms uh, are quoted or alluded to in the New Testament, Uh, so the great majority of them. Um, And the great majority of those uh, quotes or allusions in the New Testament to the Psalms are not just to teach general truths about God or morality or something like that, but, but about Jesus, to point us to Jesus. And they show us how the Psalms teach us about Christ. And they show us that the Psalms are largely about the Messiah and about Jesus. They're about his life and his suffering and his death, his resurrection. Uh, the Psalms are about his faith and his longings and his trust and, and so on. Um, and it's, of course, been... Um, supposed by many in more recent church history, we need uh, newer songs in order to sing about Jesus other than and the Psalms. But I, I want us to appreciate that that's, that doesn't seem to be the New Testament's perspective uh, and, and the history of most of the church, that the Psalms do uh, cause us to sing about Jesus and to know Jesus. And so that's part of the perspective I want us to see, that Jesus, uh, the Psalms are full of Jesus and he is the fulfillment of the Psalms. And then thirdly, more specific to this psalm, to Psalm 98, uh, it's a great psalm to consider in the context of the month of Christmas, uh, of the month of particular focus on the coming of the God-man, the coming of the King of Kings uh, into the world. 
Uh, so that's what we'll do this morning. Psalm 98 is uh, not one of the psalms that's quoted over and over again in the New Testament. It's only possibly alluded to or quoted once uh, in the New Testament. Um, and uh, it is, though, a psalm that clearly points us to Jesus. It clearly points us to the Christ, and particularly to the joy that we have uh, in Christ, uh, in him. Uh, so I want to consider this morning how, as you see in your outline there, how it points us to or calls us to uh, first the, the gift of God's grace in sending Jesus, the first three verses. The psalm breaks down into three stanzas pretty neatly, uh, three verses each. So looking back to his coming, and then secondly, verses four to six, celebrating the victory of Jesus as king, rejoicing with him as, as king even now. Uh, and then finally, looking forward to joining with all the nations, all of creation, uh, in, in uncontainable praise over his return. Okay. So first, praising God for the gift of Jesus. Uh, central to these first three verses here is uh, praising God for his victory. And, and again, we'll come back to that in, in the second stanza as, as well. But victory, that word, uh, if you look at verse 1, uh, his right hand and his holy arm have gained the victory for him. Uh, that word victory is actually used in each of these three first three verses. And the, the Hebrew word is, is always translated either victory or salvation. It's the same word uh, in Hebrew. Um, verse 2, uh, he made known his salvation. Verse 3, the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Uh, basically, the word is translated one way or the other. If it's, if it's speaking uh, sort of towards the enemies of God, it's, it's victory. Right? That's what they experience. If, if it's towards the people of God, it's salvation is often how it's translated. Um, and it says in verse 1, again, his right hand, his holy arm have gained the victory for him. Uh, he alone is the one who has gained this victory for his people. Um, he has done it. We praise God because he is sovereignly of his own inexplicable will and love uh, and power, purchased sinners to be his children. And uh, most scholars point out and, and agree that some of the language in this first stanza, these first three verses, um, uh, probably points us to the Exodus. It's, it's language that's often used in the Old Testament to turn our minds to the Exodus. And for the Old Testament believer, that was, the Exodus was the great prototype of God's victory, of his salvation. Um, this was kind of the main thing they, they looked back to. And it's an example of verse 3. God remembering his loving kindness and his faithfulness uh, to Israel. That's his hesed in Hebrew. We talked about that word a few months ago. His steadfast love, his covenant love for his people and his faithfulness. It's, it's, God has been absolutely faithful to his promise uh, is the point there. And in the context of the Exodus, again, God had, uh, go back to God had promised to Abraham uh, to be as God, to as a God to, of, of his descendants. But he said, your descendants are going to go down to Egypt eventually. He said, they're going to be captive there for 430 years. And you think about how long that is. You know, that takes us back to 1600, you know, long before the United States existed. How long that is to wait for the promise of God. Uh, and yet God was absolutely faithful. God said, I will bring them out. And he was faithful to his promise. And then over and over again, was faithful to his promises to his people. Another piece of this first stanza here, the first three verses, uh, God's victory is towards the whole earth. It, it concerns the whole earth, all nations in, in some way. 
Uh, verse 2, he's revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations, uh, not just Israel. Um, verse 3, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Um, and, you know, again, in the context of the Exodus, that's true to some extent. Other nations heard of what God had done for Israel. Um, but it also might seem a little overstated or a little ambitious at this point uh, in the psalm, at least. So hold on to that thought. Uh, we'll come back to the nations. But how do we sing this first stanza as, as New Testament believers? That's part of what I want to think about with each of these uh, stanzas, each of these points this morning. Well, we understand how it points us to Jesus, to the victory of God, the salvation of God in Christ, ultimately. Uh, verse 1, the psalmist praises God for wonderful things. That is, things that make us wonder, right? Act, acts of God's grace that make us amazed. And is it not true that all wonderful gods of act, or all wonderful acts of God, uh, were simply preludes to the incarnation and, and the crucifixion and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. That, that is the wonderful act of God, central to all of history. Uh, or think of verse 3. Again, verse 3 calls to mind God's faithfulness to his promise, his loving kindness, his faithfulness. Uh, what, was, what was the central promise of the whole Bible that God is faithful to? What was the promise to send a Savior? From, from Genesis 3.15 on, Genesis 3.15, the first promise to send a Savior to, to take care of sin and evil, to crush the head of the serpent. That, that's the promise God is fulfilling the whole way through the Scriptures, to send a Savior. And we, as New Testament believers, we look back on God fulfilling that central promise, that greatest promise of his love for us in the birth of Jesus. Uh, we celebrate that in this first stanza. Or consider uh, verse 2. Uh, verse 2, again, the Lord has made known his salvation uh, or victory. The Hebrew word there is Yeshua. And if you think that sounds like the name Joshua, uh, it is. Yehoshua is, is slightly different uh, for the name Joshua, but it's essentially the same word. Uh, Joshua, salvation, victory. And in Greek, of course, that word is Jesus. Right? It's Jesus. God's victory is Jesus. This is the name that he was given, Joshua, or Jesus in Greek. And it's the, na the, the, the name he was given by the angel at his birth. God revealed to us, in, like in no other way, his salvation, his victory in the person of Jesus. So we're, we're well within good biblical interpretation to use this first stanza to praise God, particularly for the birth, the gift, the coming of Jesus. Uh, secondly, let's look at the second stanza, celebrating the victory of Jesus. Look at verse 4. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth and sing for joy and sing praises. Uh, verse 6. Shout joyfully before the King, the Lord. And this, this stanza perhaps pictures something that's not so familiar to us in our society, but would have been a familiar scene um, to the ancient world and, and to Israel. Picture this, a great city uh, is waiting for its king. The king is away. He's, he's out to war. There's some nation that's threatening to invade and to pillage and burn and tear families apart and take slaves and so on. It's, there's, it's a dire outlook as the, as the city waits for its king. The, their entire um, 
livelihood and future depends on this. There's nothing the women and children and elderly in the city waiting can do. But everything depends on whether the next thing they see is is their king coming through the gates or they see the, the battering ram of the enemy. And then one day the king comes. And you can picture the scene. Everyone floods into the seats and they, the streets and they join with the soldiers and there's weeping and, uh, for joy and there's feasting. And especially as the king processes through the streets, there's, there's shouting and, and singing for joy. And that's perhaps what's pictured here, celebrating the victory of a king. There's really nothing uh, very parallel to that uh, in our society uh, maybe some very faint, uh, very faint parallels. I, one that comes to mind is uh, in, in 2016, the Chicago Cubs won the Super Bowl. The, not the Super Bowl. That would be weird. They won, <laughs> they won the World Series, sorry, after 107 years. And Chicago went crazy. Five million people uh, poured out in the streets for the, the um, championship parade for that. Uh, faint example, perhaps. So this psalm speaks of celebrating God, who is king. Uh, And we know that king as Jesus Christ. Uh, God's revealed his his kingship, particularly in the person of Christ, our Savior and Lord. The world waited for him. The the situation was dire. right? All mankind deserving death, the kingdom of Satan threatening on every side. But the king has come. The king reigns. Verse 6, shout joyfully before the king. Um, at, At the triumphal entry in the Gospels, the crowds, not fully understanding what they were saying, perhaps, or, or the kind of Messiah they were celebrating, uh, yet uh, sang out from Psalm 118 uh, at the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, which celebrates the, the king of glory entering the city. Right, a similar uh, image there. And as New Testament believers, we understand clearly that God's victory is never apart from, and it's ultimately in, King Jesus. Right, 2 Corinthians 2, I, I quoted from this last week. Paul says, Thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. Uh, Romans 8, Paul writes, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him. We celebrate the victory of Jesus. Thirdly, I want to bring this stanza together with the final three verses, the final stanza where we're pointed to all nations praising. Uh, just think about the fact when this psalm was written, uh, Israel was the only nation that praised God. There weren't any other nations on earth that, that worshipped the true God. Uh, Israel was the only, they were all invited to, right? And Israel was to be a light to the nations, but they were the only uh, ones as a nation that worshipped God. Um, and yet, verse 4 says, uh, Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Verse 7 the world and those who dwell in it, with verse 8, sing together for joy. Uh, that might sound like a bit of a strange statement, of those statements. Uh, in the Old Testament, the nations are often depicted as those the Lord uh, defends his people against. And, and in reality, he, he needs to. The enemies of the Lord who experience defeat because they don't love the Lord uh, and they hate the Lord's people. They're the ones who are threatening invasion and destruction, yet here they're they're called on to praise the Lord. They're pictured as, as praising the Lord. So this psalm is anticipating a day in the future when, all, when, when people all over the earth are rejoicing in God as king. 
Um, that only happens, we know, as people of all nations come to repent of sin and, and embrace Jesus, King Jesus, uh, as their king, as their savior. And so by the end of the psalm here, it's, it's clearly anticipating, looking forward to the day when, when the whole world is singing praises at the coming of Jesus. And that's how the psalm ends, verse 9, before the Lord, uh, sing together before the, for joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Uh, this is a day that's still yet to come for us. Uh, the Lord coming to, to judge in a, in a full and final way the whole world. Um, judging in righteousness, right, the sense of righteousness there is, is setting all things right. God will come as king one day to set all things right and, and rid the world of evil. And this psalm speaks of the whole creation joining in with that. Verse 7, let the sea roar and all it contains. Verse 8, let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. There's a sense in which the, the rivers do already clap their hands and praise God. The mountains sing together for joy. When I was flying up the coast of Alaska a, couple, uh, a few months ago, I, I got to see a choir of mountains uh, singing, as it were, as, as I've never seen before. Um, but as Romans 5 says, the, the creation, as, as beautiful it is, as, as much as it does bring glory to God, it, it groans. It groans under the curse as well. It's waiting for the return of Christ as well uh, to fully praise him. And again, this psalm points so clearly to Jesus in that the coming of God as the final judge one day, we know clearly from the New Testament, is the coming of the Lord Jesus. Uh, he is this judge who is to come. And I want you to consider what, what more specifically is the response called for to the victory, of the, God, the victory of God in the past, the, the rule of God as king, and now the, the return of that king to judge. Not, it's not just singing that's called for. Look at verse 4 again. Shout joyfully to the Lord. Break forth and sing for joy and sing praises. And then the end of verse 6 again. Shout joyfully before the king. It's, it's really stated as intensely as it could be. Right, The way this, this praise is given. Um, break forth and sing for joy. That's a, that's a phrase that's found in Isaiah over and over again, if, if you're interested in finding that. It points to something that can't be contained. It can't be held back. It just, it just breaks out. You picture a, a dam breaking. Or I'm in a hockey game, and it's overtime, and, and my team scores. I'm out of my seat, and my hands are up, and I'm, my voice is hoarse before I know what's happening. That's... Uh, a realistic description of how I behave at hockey games. But uh, this is the, the kind of automatic, compelled, emotional response that, that the people of, of the city have when they see their king come back in victory, that, that God's people ought to have uh, in response to his sending the Lord Jesus. As we think about bursting joyful praise, I, I want to uh, draw three connections, connections to three other songs uh, here as we think about this. Interestingly, again, the only possible use of Psalm 98 in the New Testament uh, seems to be an example of, it included an example of this kind of praise, uh, praising God for, for the sending of Jesus, and it's around the birth narrative of Jesus. It's, it's from what we read earlier uh, in what history knows as the Magnificat, when, when Mary was told that she would bear the Messiah, and she goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth and 
Uh, Elizabeth gives praise, and then Mary responds uh, with her beautiful praise to God, um, using perhaps from the beginning of Psalm 98 as well. Uh, and one of the things that we, we have to take away from Psalm 98 is, is the joy, uh, or we've missed what the psalm is all about, the joy of the psalm. Look again, verse 4, shout joyfully to the Lord, sing for joy. Uh, verse 6, shout joyfully before the king. Verse 8, sing together for joy. Now, clearly, the Old Testament believers knew joy. Right? This psalm and others are, are full of joy, but the, the message, think of the message of the book of Hebrews uh, in part, repeatedly, is, is for you as New Testament believers who know Christ, how much more? Right? How much more gratefulness, how much more seriousness, how much more eagerness, how much more joy ought you to have? You understand the foundation of any real joy is and always was Jesus. Right? The, the highest joy imaginable and possible is Christ and knowing him. It's, it's your great blessing and privilege to live in that joy. Uh, Christian, this, this joy is your identity. Uh, in part, in a way beyond what, what the Old Testament believers knew of joy. Uh, one day there will be nothing but outward joy and happiness. That's not our experience yet. Uh, not everything in terms of our experience or outwardly is all happy and good and joyful. But even now there's a, there's a constant joy and contentment for the Christian uh, because Jesus has come and he now reigns and he's coming again as this psalm points us to. Uh, Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Maybe he had Psalm 98 in mind there. It's, it's, it's bursting forth. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul commands, Rejoice always. And also in Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always again, I will say, Paul says, rejoice. A second song connection that I, I want to make this morning, we're going to sing in a moment our, our Psalm of the Month, Psalm 98, uh, using selection B. Uh, some of you may know which uh, tune is used for Psalm 98, selection B. Uh, it's Ode to Joy, right? Ode to Joy uh, by some guy named Beethoven, right? The, his Ninth Symphony. Um, it's a very appropriate tune and title, of course, for Psalm 98, full of joy, ode to joy. Now, most of us probably don't know at all the song, Ode to Joy. Um, what you do probably know is the more recent hymn, Hymn to Joy, that begins, Joyful, joyful, we adore you, we adore thee. That, that was written more recently for this tune. It's not the ode to joy that, that Beethoven wrote and put in his symphony. Um, Beethoven used a poem, uh, Ode to Joy, by Friedrich Schiller, a guy named Friedrich Schiller, in his symphony. Actually, Beethoven tweaked it quite a bit to make it sound more Christian. Um, Schiller was not a Christian. Uh, the poem blends Christianese and paganese, and um, it's an enlightenment ode to joy itself, um, uh, joy by itself, in a sense. Um, it, joy is described in that original poem as something that comes from Mother Nature um, or some seemingly unknown, uh, quote, God beyond the stars. Uh, and so, the, so those are some of the things that, that uh, Beethoven tweaked. Um, 
might suggest setting Psalm 98 uh, as this ode to joy of the Holy Spirit. It might be the, the full redemption of this, this tune and, and the concept of joy. Uh, we understand, again, there's no real or full joy apart from Christ. Uh, joy comes from and is found in the king of Psalm 98. Uh, in his victory, his faithfulness, his coming again. And then a final song connection I want to make, maybe the most obvious one, is Joy to the World. Joy to the World. Some of you would know Joy to the World is Isaac Watts' uh, paraphrase or spinoff of Psalm 98. Uh, it's based on Psalm 98. It's labeled as Psalm 98 in, in Isaac Watts' uh, original uh, works. Um, I, I just discovered recently that Joy to the World originally had seven verses. Uh, we only know four. Um, I, I read that, and then I, I did some research online to try to find these seven, and I, I couldn't for a long time. I mean, they don't exist in any uh, remotely modern uh, hymnals or uh, anything. But I eventually found a, in, in a, you know, they have those Google Books photocopies of old books, uh, some, some copies of uh, original early versions of Watts' original hymnals, and I had all seven. He actually breaks... Uh, what we call Joy to the World, into, into two sections uh, with a little paragraph explanation in the middle about how it connects to Psalm 98. Um, and it's that second part that's in, in hymnals today that we sing at Christmas and so on, uh, beginning with his fourth, uh, fourth verse. Um, but the first three verses that Watts wrote were the part that corresponded to the first three verses of Psalm 98. Uh, and then what we know is the beginning of joy to the world begins with verse 4 of Psalm 98. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Uh, makes sense. Um, the interesting thing then is, is, again, the part that we sing today that begins joy to the world is the part that clearly refers to the second coming of Jesus. Right? The Lord is coming. Uh, he's coming to judge. Uh, there's, there's really nothing about his birth um, in in. Uh, well, in Psalm 98, or in, in the way that, that Isaac Watts intended what he wrote. And yet, I would suggest, like Psalm 98, it's, it remains a great statement of faith for Christmas, uh, to consider around the coming of Christ, the birth of Christ. Uh, we're living in between the first and the second comings of Christ, right? He is our king. Uh, we have great joy. Uh, he's won decisive victory in, in, in his death and resurrection, but as as joy to the world reflects, the curse is still found far and wide. Right? We don't yet see him as king. We don't have the fullness of joy that we will. The battle's been won. The, the war is not yet over, in a sense. We don't yet sing for joy with, with all people on earth, without exception. Uh, there's no second coming without the first coming. And it was at that first coming of Jesus that the angels proclaimed that Jesus' birth was good news of what? Good news of great joy that would be to the whole earth. It wasn't at that moment, right? It was just some dirty, unknown shepherds, basically all the only people who knew about it. There was no joy of the whole earth, but it would be good news of great joy that would be for all people, all nations. And that, that great joy has been spreading and growing, right? And we look forward to the fullness of that joy when our King returns. Uh, let's pray together. Father, help us to uh, live in the joy of Psalm, one, uh, Psalm 98, um, a joy that we have in Christ Jesus already. Uh, we pray that you'd 
let this resurrection day, the Lord's day, be a, a day of joy in our risen Lord. And then let others see the joy of Christ in us throughout this week and always. We pray in the name of Christ and for his glory. Amen.